0: But God, you are gracious. Your word is powerful. We're just vessels. And it's the word that transforms and changes. It's the word, God, that creates. God, let your word create in this place this morning. Father, let it transform minds. God, in the name of Jesus. So hallelujah. I'm going to run over where we've been. I encourage you. Uh, to check out the messages in regards to the mind. In particular, if you know you're having struggles in your head, uh, go back and look over the messages that we have on our um, sites or whatever they are. All good. Matthew 4:17, when Jesus first hit the planet, and he begins his ministry, he begins with these words, from that time Jesus began to preach and say, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Jesus came with this message and this word called repent because heaven had come to the earth. And the word repent has been misunderstood so many times through history. People have used it as a weapon to beat up and to punish and to bring misunderstanding. Repent, my friends, is the most powerful weapon you can bring into your life. It is the beginning of transformation that can happen in your life. You see, repent means don't change what you're doing, rather change what's going on inside of here that will then change what you do. It means to turn from a particular way, a thought, the pattern of the world, and it means to turn to God and walk in His ways and begin to let your mind soak and understand the things of heaven is what repent means. Hallelujah. It is a powerful weapon. Don't be frightened of it. It's actually saying I was wrong and turning to God and following His way. You with me? Can I have an amen? Is that theologically all right? We've got Baptists in the house. I've got to stop it. Sean, want to go. <laughs> Repent. Repent means to change one's life based on complete change of attitude and thinking concerning sin and righteousness. To think differently. To change what you do by changing how you think. Hallelujah, Romans chapter 12 verse 2 says, Be not conformed to the standards of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. It doesn't say that you're going to be transformed in your mental health by following what the world says. Yes. It says, don't conform to this pattern or this way of thinking that the world has been pushing in your face since you First started to breathe air. It says, don't conform to that, but rather be transformed through this thing being renewed. Hallelujah. You know what the word renewed means? The word renewed means to renovate, to make new. I used to be a builder. Sean and I were builders together. And we would get renovation jobs. And see, some people when they become Christians and they read the scripture about being renewed uh, can kind of like be people who own a house sometimes and what they want to do is to change the look of the house. All they simply think they need to do is give it a paint job and paint over the old. But the word renovate actually means to tear out the old and put in the new. You with what I'm saying? You ever, you know, people who paint over the old are usually trying to hide something. That's true. Hallelujah. I've done it when I was a sneaky builder sometimes. I'll just cover that bit over. God wants you to renovate your mind, to not paint over your problems, not hide them with some kind of covering. It's Chuck that all out because when you're you're doing renovation, friend, you've got to demolish some stuff. Chuck it out. Build anew. And if you build on the rubbish, it won't stand. (laughs) Renovate. Again, it's the same theme of repent. Throw out a way of thinking and bring in the kingdom style of thinking. How Jesus, that's why Jesus said, hey man, heaven's near you, but if you want it, You've got to turn your back on that and walk this way towards heaven and its way. Can I have an amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Transformed mind, renovated mind. It talks about the word, um, Oh, hold on, I'll get to the next scripture. Oh, the word mind, whenever you read that word mind, it's very interesting because a worldview is what we might think that can mean. When we're thinking of the mind, we're thinking of, the inner you, the inner self, uh, how you think, and what rules over your emotions and what you're going to go and do. The mind, the cardia.. <clears throat> okay, now remember I said renovation requires um, demolition. Demolition. There, there's biblical scriptures to add that up. I'll just give you one more scripture. Uh, before we get into that one, Second Timothy one seven, you guys know this. We've been through it. For God has not given you a spirit of fear, but a power and of love and of a. So, God has not given you a spirit of fear. If you are full of anxiety, worry, whatever, it ain't from the heaven. It's from the other side. And it says God has given us a spirit of power, supernatural, uh, love. God's love and acceptance and a thing called a sound mind. That word means disciplined. God wants to give you not a chaotic mind, not a mind trapped by the past, not a mind living in all the mush and mess and holding you prisoner. God wants to give you this mind that is actually disciplined. Jesse is a disciplined kind of guy with his, I talked about this the other week when I went to his house and he's got all these pumping things, and I you know hoo, hoo, hey. He's disciplined. Show him your muscles, Jess. <laughs> Discipline. Oh, what am, I, am I doing all right? I thought someone was going to tell me off. No, no, I, I tease Jesse because I can. No, no. Me and Jess, we're mates. Are we mates, Jesse? We're good mates. Second, Second Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3 through to 6. Give me some amens if we're going the right way, please. 2 Corinthians chapter, two and three, chapter 10, verse 3 through to 6. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our welfare are not carnal, but they are mighty in God for the pulling down. That word in other versions, that, that pulling down, they will use the language of demolish. So we don't have weapons that are weak. We have spiritual weapons that are not flesh, but they are spiritually powerful to bring demolition work into your mind. Hallelujah for the pulling down of strongholds, casting down arguments, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, but bringing it to captivity. Man, I was also, almost felt to talk about our wine thing yesterday, Katie, but I, I won't. Sorry. See, my mind can get a little bit chaotic sometimes. And I went back to something yesterday, Katie, but I won't. And you had to be there. Don't worry about it. She's squirming a little in her seat now, but it's okay. Oh, I'm going to scare them away. Casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought into obedience to God. See, a disciplined mind is a mind that has been disciplined and is obedient to God's way. Hallelujah. Strongholds. What is a stronghold? Friend, a stronghold is a, a consistent aspect of your life where you have a sense that is contrary to God in your life where the enemy has built something like, like, a, like a fortress You know, there are people who struggle with, like I said, anxiety and fear. There are people who struggle with things from the past, and they they carry unforgiveness. uh, And the unforgiveness is not like new, but it's been there for a while, and so it builds like a stronghold. So we can have strongholds that need to be demolished, smashed, pulled down. Um, Casting down arguments. I, I used the illustration when I talked about this about a marriage. And, you know, marriages are just the best thing most of the time. And, you know, marriages have arguments. Um, True? Where you have the wife says this, but the husband knows that. Because the husbands know and the wives only think. No. You have two opinions and they are contrary to each other. And there's an argument that goes on about who's right and who's wrong. And you have that same kind of thing going on in your mind and in your head because you have the desire to conform to what the world says. But also when you become a Christian, you have this desire to want to do what God says. And there's an argument that takes place in your head about trying to bring control about what you're going to do. See, there's an argument that takes place. But the Bible tells us that we are to cast down the arguments that try to exalt themselves against the knowledge of God. Hallelujah. You with me? The battle of the mind is about demolishing, it's about casting down, it's about filling it with what God says. Hallelujah. So, we've been there. Now, I want to go to a new aspect and take you a little bit further. I want to talk to you about the aspect of a supernatural mind. So you have a natural mind, and the Bible describes it also as a carnal mind, and the carnal mind, according to the scripture, is actually an enemy of God, and it can't, God don't like that aspect of you, and the two can't, can't kind of, co- it can't um, mix. It's an enemy, so your carnal or your natural mind can be, is an enemy of God. But then you have a spiritual mind that when you become a Christian, you begin the journey of, of you know, repentance, turning away from the old and following the new and following God. Um, uh, what did I just say? I'm looking at my grandson. I'm getting distracted. <laughs> I'm trying to not. He's so handsome. Uh, you know what? Everybody says, how blessed is that boy that looks like he's papa? Ha, ha, ha. The spiritual mind, Ephesians 3.20. Super important. Think about this. Paul was trying to bring revelation to the Ephesian church. 1 and 2 are super interesting. And then in 3, chapter 3, he's talking about God. He says, now to him who is able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all we ask or think, According to the power that works in us, so it's talking about God, and it uses this language of exceedingly and abundantly. Kind of interesting. See, why didn't Paul just say this? Why didn't Paul just say, um, "And to whom it was able to do above all we ask or think"? Now, have you ever seen a sunset? There was a tremendous one there this morning, uh, yesterday morning in Yarra. Uh, Katie, you took a photo. You showed me. I was actually. Uh, I saw it myself. Have you ever seen something so beautiful that just saying beautiful is not enough? Ever, ever, you know, like something that is just like, you know, magnificently, wonderfully, incredibly beautiful? Because if you said beautiful, it wouldn't be enough to just describe the wonder. Now you can say, wow, that was a really nice uh, sunrise, But when you see a massive one, your language gets stirred up a bit because you're trying to speak what you saw. So Paul using this language is trying to describe something that he needed to add these, is it adjectives? That's pretty good for my education. To try to get the people to understand something about the wonder of God. He says God is able to not just do above, but God is able to do exceedingly and abundantly more Hallelujah. than what you could ever ask or think. Pretty interesting. So whatever you ask, he can just go way bigger and better Amen. above. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You see, for your mind, you need to understand some things to carry a supernatural mind. You need to understand that God is not just some God that is a long way from you or some kind of theory or idea, that this is the God who can go beyond what you would ever think possible. Do you understand? Your mind needs to grapple or begin to understand or feed and put inside it really who God is so that your thoughts, when things start to go wrong, that there will be this pattern or this um, uh, track in your mind. What are they? A neural? What is it? Pathway that will lead you to go, oh, But hold on, trouble's happening. It's difficult. I got some problems. But guess what? It says that I, I'm, God can do above exceedingly more. Amen. See, I shout sometimes because my emotions. Get touched by Him. Hallelujah. I'll bring it down though. What are you thinking right now? What are you thinking? Whatever it is, He can do more than that. Above it. You know, when we think about our problems, that's what I'm saying in the cup oh, it's so half empty. But see, the half full and the half empty, the half empty just looks at the lack. But the half full thinks, well, I've got a full, I've got a half cup. But guess what? God can do more and fill my cup to overflowing. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Psalm 23. My cup overfloweth. See, the mind and embracing what God says is about introducing into it things that the natural don't get. Amen. You, you get what I mean? That's why the two can't, there's this war. I just want to ask you, what does God want to do exceedingly and abundantly for your life this morning, above what you're thinking? What does he want to do? I remember Terry Hargraves. I've known Terry for a long time. I've watched his journey and his ride. And I've watched his growth as a, in the spiritual aspect, because that's my job. But he's a friend too. And um, I watched his journey about understanding money. And I watched and I heard him say to me on many occasions that where he would use the language like, I cannot believe what God has done with my finance. Because he thought that he could do this, but God did way more than that. Hallelujah. And see, money is a funny thing. Peter talked about it last week. I heard it was a really excellent message. People can look at money from a natural level and they look at money, and they and they get trapped in fear, and say, like, "Oh, I don't have enough to give to this or whatever." Praise God, we have some awesome givers here. Terry's a great giver, but then I watched him on his ride, as he understood more and more of the exceedingly abundantly above. And I watched, and I watched just you know I can't go. I want so much more, and I've seen that my friends in my life in so many other ways, personally, not just loot. But when I thought God would bring me to Australia to do this, and then God actually did exceedingly abundantly above more than I thought possible. Hallelujah. Now, note what Paul says. Can I have an amen or am I boring it? Amen. Now, to him who was able to do um, exceedingly abundantly above all we ask or think, and then it says this, because this is a key according to the power working within. Real interesting. When Jesus had sent the disciples out and they'd gone and seen some pretty cool stuff and he was preparing himself to go to heaven and they had watched the the Spirit of God move through them and touch and do miracles, right? And then Jesus says this to them in John 16, I reckon. He said, um, the Spirit is... Or he is with you, speaking of the Holy Spirit, is with you, but he will soon be in you. Now think about this exceedingly abundantly above. It's not external. It's through the power that is at work within you. See, one of the things about transforming your mind and getting a mind... That can begin to comprehend the wonders of what God can do is allowing what, it, the power, to not be external, yes. but become internal. Am I making sense? Yes. The Holy you Spirit. You see, transformation, biblical transformation. That will change your mind to transform you into what God has called you to be comes not because of your strength or your wisdom or how smart you are. It comes from the mighty power that you introduce into your life, the Holy Spirit. Sean, can I have an amen? Amen. Pega, go. good. So. This is the thing that my ride with God has been is about departing from the conforming and the way the world thinks and trying to walk closer and and let this mighty power work within my mind to transform, to help me to understand things I never thought I would understand. You see, at a natural level, you can't, you, you just can't, you can't get what God can do. You need supernatural transformation within your mind. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm going this is my final scripture, but there's a lot in it. <clears throat> 1 Corinthians chapter two, nine through to 10. Quoting Isaiah. Paul writing to the Corinthians. But as it is written, I has not seen, nor ear heard, nor has it entered into the heart of a man, the things which God has prepared for those who love him. So the ear and the eye are the means of how you uh, pick up information and put it in your brain, right? Your ear hasn't heard, your eye hasn't seen, nor your mind thought of the things that God has prepared for you or to those who love Him. How many people love Him? So your natural mind, you sure, as I, Good. Your natural mind, your physical ability to see what's happening around your life and what you can hear at a natural level as it comes into your brain and it activates your thoughts, cannot, cannot, cannot understand what God has prepared for you. It can't. Understand? Only supernaturally, will you? Hallelujah. Think about this thing about prepared. Oh, I'll finish the last. I'll finish all the scripture. Such a good-looking boy. But as it is written, I has not seen, nor has ear heard, nor has it entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for those who love him. But God has revealed them to us. Through His Spirit, the word revealed there means to take the lid off. It's like, you know, when you see a dinner and it's got one of those silver covers on it, and you know there's dinner coming, but you don't know what it is. And see, the Spirit lifts the lid so you can see what God's prepared. Amen. Hallelujah. If you don't have the Spirit, the lid will stay on. And it'll just look like, well, there's something. Amen. For what man knows the things of man except the spirit of a man which is in him. Even so, no one knows the things of God except the spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, the conforming spirit. No, we don't want that one. But the, but the spirit who is from God. Note, that we may know the things that have been freely given to us. Christianity is not about you working up righteousness And making some kind of a wonderful thing that God will say, you are so good. I'm just gonna give this to you. It's free. You understand? It's free. So I want you to think about this thing about prepared. God has prepared something for you. Would it be boring? I think it's exceedingly abundantly above. What has he prepared What would it be? Now, I'm going to give you a story that happened to me in Africa. And some of you have heard it before, but I want to break it up. And I'm going to boast, but I'm not boasting about me. I'm boasting about God because Paul said, if you're going to boast, boast about God. So Pekka and I were doing this crusade. Um, Jonah, our man, had come and stayed with us and said, Hey, Keith, I reckon you should do a crusade, you and Pekka. And he said, I'll fund it, which is unusual for Africans and Ugandans. And this thing must have cost them four or five thousand bucks over there. We had a big, huge stage, and um, it was, you know, all the all the lights and the whistles, hey? Yeah, it wasn't like the bouncy ones that we had. And um, there were like hundreds of people, and I didn't know. But where we were going to do the crusade was a center of black magic in Uganda, just out of Kampala. I had no idea. I was, in fact, I was stupid. Anyway, we get there. And there's hundreds of people and, Keith, get up and preach. I wasn't the first or the second night. So we did our thing and some people got saved and it was fantastic. And there were a lot of people that got delivered of demonic stuff, right? And mate, Jonah, he is a firecracker. Anyway, the next night, same thing, we go there and we'd prayed during the day with a lot of people who had bondage to black magic. They call it juju in Uganda. Anyway, get up on the stage and it's my th- turn to do my thing again and mate, a storm erupted. And I'm telling you, man, the wind was so powerful. No, don't you tell. Um, it's my story. <laughs> the wind was... And, and, the wind was so powerful it was blowing the stage like it was going to go over. There were trees around where we were all gathered and the trees were folding from the weight of the wind. And it was looking extremely dangerous. And these Ugandans were smart enough to know we better get out of here. And I'm looking at Jonah and I'm saying, what do we do, Jonah? What do I say? Everybody's going, the wind and I'm getting frightened of the storm. And a voice spoke to me, a voice not out there but a voice within Within, and it said something to me that was outrageous. And the voice said to me, Rebuke the wind and the storm and command it to stop, to go. And there was an argument that proceeded in my head. The argument was, That ain't God. Don't you do that, Keith. That is so stupid. You're going to look like an idiot. You don't carry that kind of power. And on the other side, rebuke. The weather commanded. <laughs> and I know who my God is, the above and beyond and exceeding. So I took the courage and submitted to the voice of the Holy Spirit, because it wasn't mine. And I rebuked the weather, and the, instantly, my friends, the wind dropped and the storm stopped. I'm ta- yeah, see, yeah, okay, okay, well, if that's the clap you give God doing that, I'm, I'm a bit disappointed. So let's, I just want to break this up a little as I close. God, according to the scripture, has prepared these things that we do that are way above what we think. And see, there's no way that I knew that that thing was coming. But according to the scripture, God knew and had prepared the angels and the power or whatever to smash that thing down. But in my head, my head needed to submit to the Holy Spirit and to step into because it wasn't my power. And when I spoke those words, you see, when it talks about the Spirit, it talks about the pneuma, which is the breath of God. And see, try and speak without breathing. Right without using your breath, you can't. Friend, if you want to speak the things of God, you need the breath of God. Amen. Do you understand? It was the breath of God touched my words and broke that thing down. Now, here's the point: Did he prepare that so I could go, Wow, look how good! You know, there was way more going on there because, friends, there were people. Who needed to see the power of God? Amen. They needed to see that the name of Jesus is the greatest name on Hallelujah. the world. There were people who got saved that night, who got born again. If we had a fault and left, there were people who got delivered to demons, because God had prepared something beyond what I thought possible. How crazy. But is it, it's just for Keith because he's the pastor? No. Friend, he has prepared for you from heaven and as he's preparing it, things that are extraordinary. Extraordinary. But the key is, Will you, will you allow what God says to reign or will you let your natural mind? Do you understand what I'm saying? You know, how many, how many? see that's a storm, right? A physical, how many storms are happening around your life that you are meant to calm the storm and speak it over people's lives? Amen. How many? Because you are a storm calmer friend this is a good message. Good. My message to you today is: see this thing in here. This is where the battle goes on. This is where the devil wants to keep strongholds and holds in your thinking. He wants to keep you at a carnal, natural level because then you will not live out the things that God, who has the exceedingly and abundant, has prepared. He wants you to stay there where you ain 't going to calm the storms. Hallelujah. Close your eyes, please. God, I am a human vessel, but Holy Spirit, you are not. I love that name Numa God, that your breath, the Holy Spirit, the breath of God, can breathe on our humanness, and bring transformation. And God, I pray for the listeners here today. Oh God, that they would allow your breath to breathe in their mind. God, breathe life. Bring the transformation, the change, to destroy and demolish the strongholds. And Father, to cast out the arguments that are contrary to what you say.